Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another edition of the Better Together podcast. I'm your co-host, Rosario Picardo. And I'm your other co-host, Callie Picardo. And today we have with us Dr. Brian Russell. Brian is professor of biblical studies and the former dean at Asbury Theological Seminary. He's an author, coach, podcast host as well, and he's written a new book called Astonished by the Word, Reading Scripture for Deep Transformation. And we are so excited to have him here today with us on the Better Together podcast to learn a little more about that. Brian, welcome. Yeah. Hi, both of you. Grateful for the chance to come back on the show. Thank you. Well, Brian, start us off. Why'd why'd you write this book? Why was this book (laughs) on your heart? Well, I've I've been reading scripture since uh, I was 15 years old intentionally. That's how I actually came to the faith back when I was in 10th grade. I was kind of in a whatever weird space a teenager gets themselves into. It felt really awful at the time. And my youth pastor had said, hey, you all ought to read the Bible uh, this next in the next year. He said that at uh, New Year's Eve of Exodus, that would have been like 1984, I think. So this is spring 85. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Um, but then I got I got to the this point where I saw the Bible that my church had given me when I was a little boy it was sitting there on the shelf. And I'm just like, okay, you know, my youth pastor Steve said I ought to read this. Uh, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me with your words. So I open and start reading in Matthew. A few weeks later, we had a revival at my United Methodist Church up in Akron, Ohio. It was uh, Hope United Methodist. Uh and we used to have revivals come in there. And in the, the night that I was at the revival, the guy literally preached the sermon on the text that I had just read the night before. All things came together. I felt my heart, you know, literally picked up out of the pew and went down to the altar. My youth pastors were there to pray for me. Life was changed. And I've been reading scripture ever since. Again, I've gone through difficult, some difficult spaces beyond just you know going to seminary, being a pastor. And so this book comes out of kind of my mature reflection. I've been reading for the scriptures for 39 years now, teaching at a seminary for 24 years, been through Dark Night of the Soul. And so this book um, is about how to read the, the scripture and how to continue to be astonished by it and how to allow yourself to open up past blind spots and obstacles so that God can really transform you from the inside out. And so it's kind of a testimony and uh, a chance for me to just really think through at this point in my life, uh, what does it mean to open up the word and invite the spirit to come into our lives and and make us into the holy people that he's called us uh, to be? That's so good. You know, some may know 2 Timothy, of course, chapter 3, where it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, doesn't all scripture have the ability to transform? Is Is there a ready of scripture that doesn't transform? 
is there a way of reading scripture that doesn't yeah. transform? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Actually, I would say there's probably a lot of, of re- ways to read scripture so it doesn't transform. And, and that's what I was kind of exploring it because uh, I, I used a quote that kind of came after a while after I'd started writing the book. It I opened the book with this. It's from uh, St. Augustine's from his book on Christian doctrine. And he has this little, he says this a couple different times in the book, but he says, uh, anyone who thinks he's understood the divine scriptures or any part of them, but cannot by his understanding build up this double love of God and neighbor has not yet succeeded in understanding them. Hmm. And and to me, at the heart of that, and this is just as from my Methodist tribe thing, we have this great doctrine of, of holiness of heart and life, growing in love for God and neighbor. And all Augustine's really saying is, you haven't actually read the Bible if it hasn't changed your and increased your capacity to love God and love others. And now, you know, you hear 2 Timothy 3.16, even here with Augustine, you're like, well, who would be against any of that? Well, that's what this book's actually about, because I would suggest that I'm against it in some level, because there's parts of my life um, that I probably really don't want to know about. Mm-hmm. And I, and if I knew about them, I definitely wouldn't want God to know about them. And so this, I, I sort of explore blind spots, obstacles. How is it that a person can read the Bible their whole life and and still you know, we see, we see the problems in church struggle with um, racial divisions. We've seen ugliness between just denominational splits and all. The, how does that happen if we're reading a book that's God breathed that's supposed to transform us? And I, and I, the conclusion I came to is that we need to learn to read the scriptures uh, from a posture of real full surrender and openness. Again, no, most people are going to agree with that, but. Um, using intentional contemplative practices. So what I do in this book, it's my professor of biblical studies hat combined with my old church planting hat mixed in with my centering prayer, contemplative spirituality stuff. And I, sometimes I think my career went back, went in reverse. And I wish I could have started with the contemplative spiritual formation stuff first. Not, you can't ever relive your life, but I've always wondered what would that look like everything else if I would have gotten that right. And so this book is really about, uh, again, it's a deep dive and like, you know, how can you read the Bible wrong? Well, one, one of my favorite parts of the books book is, I you know, I, I say this, um, if you immediately read a text or if you read a text, this could be any text, and the first thing that happens is you think about somebody else who actually should be reading this text. Um, that would be a way that you're probably misreading the text because in fact, in those cases, I, and I say this in the book, the person who actually needs to read the text the most is myself. (laughs) So again, that's, that's what I mean. So there are ways that you can read the text to avoid things, uh, but this is just basically, um, we're going to recognize that reading the Bible, the ultimate goal is to transform us into persons who've been astonished. That's where the title comes from. I've been astonished by the word so that I can live in a way that I can be astonishing to others, not because of who I am, but because now my life points to the one who truly is astonishing, uh, Jesus. Amen. I love that. And I love that name, that idea of astonished. It just immediately makes me think, oh my goodness, there has there, there's something more. Maybe I'm there's something deeper, even more in God's word than 
I've seen, and I, I know you've kind of shared a little bit of this. You, you probably read the Bible a little differently than when you were 15. It was powerful when you're 15, but it changes as you grow. And I, I love that blind spot idea. I mean, you mentioned one blind spot is when you start reading the scripture and you immediately think of other people that need to hear it rather than looking inward. I mean, I also think, you know, I was thinking other blind spots and one that else, another one that comes to mind is uh, if you're reading it to get out what you want it to say, like if you have kind of preconceived notions that you're looking to find in the text, I know it could be one, but I mean, what are some of the others that you've unpacked and discovered through the work you've done with this book, Brian? Yeah. And you, yeah, you just said something right there. A lot of times we read scripture and we lose the ability to be curious so we really listen to the scripture for agreement with what we already think mm-hmm. instead of insight or, or challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. So like another way that I uh, suggest that we read it is always read this text and ask, how is this text calling me to convert all over again? Or for the first time, if I don't know what it says, how is it really trying to change it? So that could be a, a, a blind spot. And other ones um, are uh, like, I think blind spots and in, in obstacles come out of my, my own work with the contemplative spirituality, which goes back to like the seven deadly sins tradition. I think unconscious blind spots are the rooms in our life in our lives that haven't been fully surrendered. And those typically look like the things that the contemplative spotted when they were out in the desert. So that would be, you know, I always do the eight evil distracting thoughts by vagaries, but it's the um gluttony, greed, lust, anger, spiritual laziness, um, spiritual sadness, and then pride is the killer. And he always gave two different words, pride and vainglory, external and internal kind of pride. And so those are blind spots. And if we don't allow God to do the work on those parts of ourselves, we're going to have, we're just going to miss something that's in the word that might actually encroach upon, upon that. Um, like another blind spot can be the the desire to come off um, as intellectual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've learned all, especially if for those who, if your people go to seminary, we're not picking on seminaries. I teach at one, but um, there's a temptation sometimes to substitute, especially with the Bible, getting learning interesting things about the Bible instead of opening ourselves to the demands that the Bible wants to make on how we presently live. Um, and so that's that's a blind spot. We substitute just kind of information for transformation. Um, so those would be a couple of the the things um, uh, in it, you know, in it uh, and also, yeah, yeah, I, I can stop there. What else can I mean, you you name the blind spots, and I think that puts us in a space to have um, an open posture, but what other, you know, ways would you say is an open posture to reading scripture besides identifying those blind spots? Yeah. And right in the middle, I have this funny word that I made up just for the book and I've been playing around with it for a couple of years. I call it idolatherapy. Huh? And so, so the process of reading scripture that I suggest and astonished is uh, again, idolatherapy. So it's a combination of the word idolatry in therapy, just, just for fun, because it's a method. And so how do you, and, and so the ultimate blind spots 
we'll just name them what they are. They're it's idolatry. It's idols. It's 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 de-elevating Jesus from his true position as Lord and putting him on the same level with anything else in our lives, even the things that, and especially the things that we love the most. And so, how do you break up that ground? Well, um, I basically just reteach in this book. Um, Lectio Divina, which is that classic contemplative way of reading the scriptures where you you practice using silence and solitude practice. So I'm literally suggesting people spend some time either journaling in some way, like a prayer of examine type of journaling that you're doing real intentional work or spending time in centering prayer before actually opening up the word just to allow the spirit. So you guys are, you know, you just have the books on the prayer and, and the, your, a lot of your ministries are so basically just saying, let's come to the scriptures out of a deep posture of listening prayer, not so much even asking for things, just sitting with God to allow God to break up the soil. Now I go into a lot more detail in the book, but that's essentially what I consider the core piece. And then remembering once you've studied the text, and this book isn't a primer on how to do deep exegesis, I have other resources, but the, the, the point of this book is to just remind us you're not done with the text until, and this is the, the last two parts of what Lectio Divina ultimately is, until you breathe back out both, how does this text teach me to love God? more profoundly than I am now, which assumes then that there's part of me that doesn't love God the way this text wants me to. That's an assumption too, that I need to grow. And then all simultaneously, how does this text teach me to love my neighbor as myself with the assumption that there's something here that I'm probably missing? Hmm. Brian, you talked about your 10th grade experience, mm -hmm. but was there, has there been a more recent experience where a text has really just transformed you, where you really have gotten to experience that being astonished by the word? You know, and, and honestly, it happens to me um, all the time. I mean, not well, lately it's been because I've, I've, uh, I've um, but on and off, like I would just even say just this uh, this summer, 2023, um, I had the privilege back in June of 23 of being a, a substitute uh, pastor for four straight weeks. I don't get to preach four weeks in a row at the same place very often. So I literally got to preach four weeks in a row. So I got to work through my favorite book in the scriptures, which is Philippians. And so, you know, yeah, so the, the parts that I've, I've always loved chapter three and, you know, the, the, the part that really jumps out of me there is I get to re-experience again. I even put this is even in the book itself, but the the text that every time I read it, it just like just grabs me. It's it's and it's real simple. It's three seventeen, where Paul basically says, "Become imitators of me." And what really strikes me there, and this was just this, I haven't been able to get past this. Is um, you know most of us when we think about when I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be like Jesus. And obviously, that's always the right answer. Mm -hmm. And Paul does that. Back in chapter two, he talks about, he has that poem about Jesus who uh, being in the form of God didn't equate equality with God, something to be exploited. So you have Jesus being this model of being obedient to death, even death on a cross, and he gets resurrected. That's the model. But then Paul says in 317, be, imitate me and model the life act that you've seen that that you've seen in us, and he's then the us is Timothy and Epaphroditus, and the astonishing thing there is, holy mackerel, 
Mm. Paul is so audacious that he's telling the Philippians who knew him, he wasn't just some picture on Instagram or something. They knew him. They knew Timothy. They knew Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a Philippian. And he's saying, if you want to see what a Christian looks like, model yourself exactly like we live. Hmm. You know, when I think about that, I'm like, wow, what kind of man would I need to become to stand up with full integrity and say, you want to know what it looks like to be a Christian? Look hmm. at me. And so that, that that was my most recent massive astonishment thing that really jumped out there. But that's uh, but I, I get they happen all the time. But that's that's a big one that I've been chewing on for a while. Like how how can I how do I need to integrate and go even deeper mm-hmm. so that I could be like that? I love that. And Ryan, you know this is the Better Together podcast, so mm-hmm. we're always trying to figure out how do we live out our faith yep. better together. That's right. I know scripture reading it can be solitary, it can be group, but does the way we tra- read scripture transform our relationships with others as well? Absolutely, uh, and that that's that second piece, right? A lot of times we think about uh, scripture just being this kind of pietistic me and me and Jesus, my my personal time with God. But again, what Augustine was even coming back to, what I'm trying to get at, is we haven't got the text right until it translates out horizontally. And that's love for the people that are closest to us. I mean, I can't imagine any better way to strengthen a marriage than um, you know, reading scripture together. Matter of fact, uh, one of the, I'll just toss this out. You know, my parents are getting are getting up there in age now, and they're not actually doing all that well physically. But I dedicated the book to my parents, Dale and Midge Russell for reading scripture together as a couple and attending a church that taught the Holy Scriptures faithfully. I learned the value of the Bible from childhood because you did. Oh, oh wow. That's awesome. so, so, I mean, I guess that would, that would be my answer. It's like, it's like, I saw my parents reading the Bible together again. That's why I had a Bible. That's why even at 15, I could pick it up because I'd seen my parents both read the Bible. They still do. Um, yeah, so that's, I've read the Bible with my children, um, and everything in, in the book, this it's set up the, I wrote astonished by the word it's, it's written for everybody. This is not an academic book at all. It's, it could, it's got deep ideas, but it's written in a way that's completely accessible and it could be used in groups because I have study questions in the end. And, and in fact, I think it would be, it would be fun for people to use this in, uh, in groups and read the scriptures together. And we work with some friends and people that are new to the faith, and some of them get a little intimidated Mm -hmm. by reading the Bible. Um, What would you say to someone who's really brand new, has maybe read a little bit here and there, but you know they're they're trying to figure out they they know it's God's word, they want to read it, but they just they don't even know where to start. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I would suggest again, I'm I'm an Old Testament professor, but I won't say start with the Old Testament. Now, what what I would say. The part of the Old Testament that I recommend everybody read is the Psalms, because those are actually prayers. Yeah. And those, and so you any, read the Psalms. And again, some of the Psalms are weird too. So if you find a weird one, just keep going. It's okay. <laughs> so, read the Psalm. I'm just going to say, right? Because some parts yeah. of the Bible are hard to understand. Let's sure. just say that. But then if I'm a new Christian, you can never go wrong reading reading the Gospels. And I would also say, especially like if you want to read some letters that are really beautiful, read like First John. Mm-hmm. Read James. Uh, these are just some of my favorites. I love Philippians, but you know, read the Gospels uh, and get to know Jesus a little bit. Read the at- Book of Acts, and then you know, as you grow in your faith, um, 
you know, you can pick up a, a good study Bible that has some notes or get a basic uh, commentary or something that can help you. But, you know, don't get frustrated. Just kind of keep reading. And then th- the purpose of the Bible is, you know, you're going to keep going back to it. So I would say write your questions down when you find something you don't don't understand and do a little research. Because the, the beautiful thing about today is there's just, there's just amazing resources that are available that can really help you. So hopefully that's a, a that helps a little bit there, Callie. Yeah, kind of a part two to that question. Um, selfishly, maybe hopefully it'll help some listeners <laughs> as well. But Roz and I are parents. And um, I know some of our listeners are parents and grandparents. And you talked about how your parents' example of reading scripture impacted them. Yes. I mean, how, uh, do you have any suggestions for how to help kids in our lives um, read God's word and fall in love with God's word? Yeah, you know, I bought and I don't have it anymore. I had little just a children's Bible. And if you've ever seen them, it's not the full text, but right. I just think read get the kids to know the story and uh and and read read teach them stories about Jesus. And again, that would be for really very small children. Obviously, once you get, I don't know, like I'm not a young adult educator, but you know, sometime eight, nine, ten, I think you bring in some of the easier to read translations like, um, and, and everyone's going to love these translations that I say, but I think the most important thing is, is you got to be able to read the book, right? So don't, don't start a, a little kid with a really hard translation, but get something like the common English version or maybe the new living translation. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, and, and just spend some time reading the stories about Jesus so they can see kind of what Jesus is like. And I think that's, that's the best way um, to, you know, to teach, to teach kids. And that's what I did with my own children. I love that. One of our kids favorite early on was Daniel and the lion's den because they love the lions and yes. they just wanted to look at the lions and they wanted to know if that one was Simba and that one was Nala and there was a lion came yeah, way into the Bible. But, you know, I think for us, you know, we kind of, mm-hmm. we introduced them to new scripture, but also if they've got some favorites. Yep. We read some of the fa- same Bible stories again and again and again. But if I'm honest, as an adult, sometimes I go back to the same scripture verses again and again and again, because like you with Philippians, you know, or the, the, they just kind of breathe life into us. And so I love it. It's it's learning and growing, but it's also cultivating that relationship with God. So I'm so glad you've written this book, Brian. What's your, what's your hope for it? What, what would make you so excited if you found out that was the result of this book? What would make you astonished? Mm -hmm. You know, really honestly, uh, I pray and hope for a real revival to break out. And so again, I would be completely arrogant to think that my book could do that. But if somebody reading my book got so fired up by God's word that their life transformed and they became sort of that conduit for a big work of God, I mean, I can't think of anything better than that. That's awesome. Well, where can we pick up a copy? Yeah, I would say uh, you can find it on Amazon. If you want to buy multiple copies and you'll get discounts, I would get it directly from Invite Resources. They have a great piece. And and also say this, uh, anybody's listening, if you end up using it like in a in a group setting with like, you know, 10 people or so, um, if you reach out to me, I'd be happy to jump in on a Zoom call for a few minutes just to, you know, a- answer questions and stuff because I like to do that with my with all my books. So if anybody uses this in a group, just reach out to me and I get you guys can send, put my contact I guess in the um um in the in the show notes or whatever, but uh, yeah, you can find it at Invite Resources or on Amazon. 
Well, friends, this has been Dr. Brian Russell, the author of Astonished by the Word, Reading Scripture for Deep Transformation. We pray that this uh, podcast has been a blessing to you, maybe an encouragement to you to pick up God's Word and read it with fresh eyes again. Um, But uh, we also hope that if it's encouraged you, that you'll share it with someone else as well. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. It's always great to see both of you. You too. Well, friends, remember, until next time, we are better together. God bless.